I know that a lot of our students have been on retreat this weekend, and I know you've been busy, and I know you've had a lot to do, and now you sit down and you be still for a couple of moments. Just thank you for being here. I know you're tired, and I know it was a great weekend. I can't wait to hear uh, some more about it uh, during this week. I was looking for a sermon illustration, an introduction. I didn't have an introduction. Had everything, had everything written. Man, I was just so excited about a couple of things I'm going to share with you in just a couple of moments. But I didn't have a way to get started. But then this morning came. I'd had such a good time with the Lord. I had such a, such a sweet, quiet time. I just, the Lord just blessed me with his presence in my kitchen. Then I got ready and I was coming in. Now, I live off Westland. And uh, it makes kind of like a little dog leg at Ebenezer, and you, you get off and you get right back on. Well, it's, a, it's two turning lanes. Now, here's a trick, because everybody gets in that right-hand turning lane. And as you go around, then you can just turn right there on Ebenezer, but the line gets long. And I always look at that other turning lane, the one on the left-hand side, and I think, well, nobody's using that. And there's always a couple of pokey people, you know what I'm saying, in, in the right-hand lane. So what you can do is you just go around with them, and then you wait for that opening. There's always one. Now, it's out there. I'm hoping you don't tell everybody that lives over there. But that's what I decided to do this morning. So I get over in that left-hand lane, and I'm behind. There's like six cars in the other lane, and there's nobody over here. But I go around, and there's this one guy. And he pulls up beside me. Now, I had been behind him ever since I pulled out of my neighborhood onto Westland. He never got over 30 miles an hour. Should have, somebody should have given him a ticket because that's too slow. It's just too slow. He, so he's going 30 miles an hour. I thought, I'm never going to get to church. I thought, hey, buddy, I'm going to church. I know you're headed to brunch or something, but I'm going to church. You know, I'm going to worship Jesus. So we go around the corner, and I speed up a little. You know what he does? He punches it and looks at me. And I think, buddy, we're on Westland. This is not NASCAR. We're not, I'm not trying to beat you anywhere. You maybe you know, you get to the restaurant. I'm just going. But the faster I would go, the faster he would go. And I thought, well, we're racing now, and, and we're getting too close. So I back off because I'm Christian, and I'm humble, and I just thought, well, I'm just going to, so I pulled back, and, uh, and he glanced over at me in victory. I just couldn't help but think, what a miserable, sad human being that he must be. So I get behind him. We get over on the west one, but, oh, he's not done. What he does is he goes back to 30 miles an hour again. And so I, I said out loud, I don't, he couldn't hear me, but I said out loud, well, why did you do that? Why did you go to all the trouble to race me so you could get in front of me and then go real slow just to spite me? What a sad person you must be. And so I have all of that going, and and I'm thinking, man, I don't know if you really have anywhere to go, but I've got to get to church because I'm speaking this morning on joy and anticipation of God's goodness in our life and about his faithfulness and all that God wants to do in our lives. And I can't get there because you pulled in front of me. Bless God. That was over now, and I'm here. <laughs> Turn to John chapter 16. Because Jesus wants to give some encouragement, and he wants to give some joy 
And he wants to remind you that he sees you, whether you're in this room or whether you're watching from you know, your family room or your kitchen. He sees you. And that's what we're going to talk about today. God's just telling us, take heart, take heart. Verse 16 of chapter 16 says, A little while, and you'll see me no longer. And again a little while, and you will see me. So some of his disciples said to one another, What is this that he says to us? A little while, and you will not see me. And again a little while, and you will see me. And because I am going to the Father. So they were saying, what does he mean by a little while? We do not know what he's talking about. Jesus knew that they wanted to ask him. So he said to them, is this what you're asking yourselves? What I meant by saying a little while and you will not see me. And again, a little while and you will not see me. Truly, truly, I say to you, you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice. You will be sorrowful but your sorrow will turn into joy. When a woman is giving birth, she has sorrow because her hour has come. But when she has delivered the baby, she no longer remembers the anguish for joy that a human being has been brought into the world. So also, you have sorrow now, but I will see you again, and your hearts will rejoice, and no one will take your joy from you. In that day, you'll ask nothing of me. Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Until now, you've asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. Now, the big idea of this message today is just about the fact that the the sorrow that we feel in our broken world, and you will feel sorrow. You are not immune. Just because we are followers of Jesus, we are not exempt from that. But he says this sorrow we feel in this broken world today, it will be overcome with joy when Jesus returns. And he will come back. So today we choose to live in this truth. We will face sorrow now. But we trust that Jesus has overcome the world and that our joy cannot be taken away. It will not. It will come flooding back in and and you will be fulfilled all over again. Jesus is uh, continuing his farewell speech, this swan song that we talked about last week. And one of the illustrations that he uses, uh, he says, you know, this is like, he, he compares the, the pains of a woman in labor. And he says how she feels. And he says, that's kind of like your sorrow. When he's talking to his disciples, and he said, that's, that's caused by this Im- imminent parting, this departure of Jesus. And like his disciples, we too may feel sorrow because we live in such a broken world. And when I looked over this and I thought about just the moment I would say that, I, I felt like that's going to need zero convincing, right? I mean, you're, you're with me. When we look at th- just this year 
and just the things that some of you walked through and are still walking through, I think, wow, the last thing I'm going to have to to even try to do is to get you on board and, and to say, right, we're going to feel some sorrow, right? Some of you watching at home, you're feeling sorrow. Some of you wish so much you could be in this room, but you're not, but you want to be, but for all kinds of different reasons you're not. And even just that creates anxiety. Even that creates a separation. When Jesus talks about this, he's been purposefully vague And when he speaks about the future with his disciples, he never seems to talk in specifics. And so they go away with these questions like, we don't quite get it. We're not sure we understand. And that's what's happening when he references his leaving in verse 16. He isn't exactly clear about that. Now we know now that he's referring to his death, his resurrection, And the time then that he would spend with his followers after that, before ascending into heaven. So he leaves his listeners with this message of joy and with hope. And he urges them, ask the Father. Keep going to the Father for whatever is necessary. I'm promising you it will be given. I promise you, he says in verse 23 and 24, I'm going to take care of you. Here's something kind of cool about this passage. You know, whenever you see truly, truly in Scripture, maybe your uh, old, your King James Version may say verily, verily, or truly, truly in Scripture, as in John 16, 20, or in verse 23, it can be translated as amen, amen. That's literally what this word means, or surely, surely. You know, we have modern ways of saying the same thing. But this little word, amen, it's just a remarkable word. It's actually transliterated, not translated, from Hebrew into the Greek, into the New Testament, and then it was um, in Latin, and then in English, and all these other languages. Actually, I think it it is practically a universal word. I have never been anywhere in any country that they didn't say the word amen pretty much the same way that we say it in English. It has been called the best-known word in human speech. So I was telling Keith this morning, I said, here's a little church trivia for people at lunch today. You can ask somebody, what do you think is the most universally spoken word uh, in human speech? It is the word, amen, amen. This word is directly related. Uh, In fact, it's almost identical to the Hebrew word for believe, amam. Or it could be translated faithful. It's what I'm telling you. It's just so true. It's just so believable. I need you to lean into this. It came to mean surely or truly or absolutely what I'm telling you is without a doubt something important. It's an expression of of just this ultimate trust and confidence. This word is used in John 16, 20. 
And he said, your joy, this word kara, it's the same word that's used to express emotion. You know, when the wise men saw the star that was going to lead them to the Messiah in Bethlehem in Mark chapter 2, verse 10, and it's again used when the man uh, the parable in, in Matthew thirteen forty four, where he discovers a treasure out in a field and scripture says he's filled with great joy and so he buys it. It is a word that means gladness and this happiness. Believers, we will weep and lament. And these people in this place with Jesus at this time, they had no idea the direction their lives were about to take. Most of them would be martyred. Most of them would die a violent, bloody, awful death. But he says, while the world is rejoicing, and even when they see Jesus being crucified and they're rejoicing, and they're thinking, this is a good day. They're thinking, this is a happy time. This is a great thing. He says, while they're rejoicing and your heart is full of sorrow and you're lamenting and you're weeping, he said, just know that there's joy that's going to come. Don't lose sight of that. In the very next breath, Jesus reminds them, your sorrow will be turned into joy. And that joy, he says, will not ever be taken away. Nobody can steal that. Nobody can take that from you. Jesus' death was, was awful, but it was, it was momentary. It was at this point in history and in time. And our difficulties would be only Momentary. I know there are times you're walking through things and there are times you experience it's just tragedies. And you think, will this ever be over? I don't think it will. And you feel like I'm at the end of things. It, it will be. It's just momentary. Even when your heart is broken, even when you feel like, I don't think I can ever go back to the place again. I don't think, I don't think I'll ever smile. I don't, you will. It's just momentary. Our struggles will be overcome with victory. Don't give up. Don't give up on yourself, and especially don't give up on the Lord. I'm going to ask that when you pray for folks, we're going to pray together tomorrow night for people. When you show kindness this week, consider the needs of this congregation and the other congregations, many that are meeting right now, even as we do, and just all that we've been through this year. You know, Calvary, I, I love Calvary. It, it, we're a multi-generational church. And I'm sad to say uh, goodbye for a little while to many of you who will be going home uh, during the break. And I know it's a, just been such an unusual year. And I pray for you. I pray that you'll be safe and that, that God will just protect you and just be with you and your families and your friends. Remember to give encouragement to the different groups that we represent as a fellowship. I want to remind you older ones of the peace that passes all understanding when you're so worried about your children and when you're watching your grandchildren grow up and you wonder what kind of world will, will they inherit. Philippians 4, 7, I just encourage you. And I remind you, adults who are in the middle of your life and you're balancing kids and maybe you're taking care of aging parents, that Jesus is there to carry your burdens. And he sees you. He has not forgotten you. Psalm 68, 19. 
And I remind you, younger people, when you're anxious about your future goals, and maybe this year has just knocked everything out of place, and you think, wow, I, I don't get the same memories, I don't have the same experiences that the people who went before me or hopefully those who will come behind me at this point in time. I'm just living a different life. And you're having to do everything so differently. I thought my, my grandchildren will have memories of going to school with masks on and going to other places and being distant and, and all of that, something no one else has experienced for over 100 years. It'll be in your memory. And I know you think about, well, who will I marry one day? Or what are the dreams I have about my life? Listen, Jesus knows you personally. And he's completely aware of your situation. Luke 12, 7. So I encourage those of you who are struggling about money. I know that can create all kinds of stress. Maybe, maybe you're concerned about illness. There's over a dozen just who attend Calvary, who've gotten this COVID-19 virus. And one sweet lady has passed away. Nobody contracted it here that I know of, but just in the different places around the community and the country. And it may be a completely different kind of situation. God is your provider and your healer, as he said he would be in Genesis 22. If you're worried about family, And sometimes at holidays, we think about each other even a little more. And you're thinking about the people that you care about. Just remember, God is your comfort. God is your comfort. 2 Corinthians 1.3. Corrie Tim Boone's one of my favorite people. I never got to meet her uh, in person before she died. But I had friends who did. One of the things she said that I like is this. Worry doesn't empty tomorrow of its sorrows. It empties today of its strengths. There was a moment in Jesus' life, and it's described in Matthew chapter 8, verse 2 and 3. It says this, And behold, a leper came to him and knelt before him, saying, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand and he touched him and he said, I will be clean. And immediately his leprosy was healed. Now that little word will, in both the leper's request and in Jesus' answer, is the Greek word for strong desire or for wishing for something. You see, the leper is talking about Jesus' deepest desire. The question is never about, can you heal me? Do you have the competency for that? Do you have the power for that? I've heard these stories. I've seen what you can do. Everybody's talking about, is that true? Can you really heal people? That's not what he's talking about. That's not the question. He says, Jesus If you will it, if you desire it, do you want this? You see, this leper had been rejected his whole life. And he's looking at Jesus and he's saying, Jesus, nobody wants me. Nobody wants to have anything to do with me. When we think about social distancing, he experienced it even more so 
all of his life, people wouldn't even talk to him. They wouldn't go near him. They wouldn't go around him. They just, in almost every way, blatantly said, we reject you. We do not want you. And he drops down to his knees in front of Jesus. And he says, Jesus, I know you can do this. But do you want me? Do you see me? And when Jesus looks at this leper, he's not just proclaiming this action he's about to take, I will. No, he's saying, I want you. I see you. And I want to do this. I mean, I really, really want to see you healed. That's what Jesus is saying to this man. And for the first time in a long time or maybe ever, he looks up and sees these eyes of compassion and of grace and of love because somebody is telling him, I want you, I love you, and I will heal you. And that will be the proof of it. That will be the greatest expression of it. And Scripture says that that's what happened. The doubt or the question is not about the power but about the will. Jesus, what do you want? And this shows Jesus' heart. I want to heal you. I want to know you. I want to love you. And folks, the same thing that he said to that leper, he's saying to you. And I know you may feel forgotten. If you're watching from your house today and you're thinking, I haven't been out of this house in months we go out to go to the doctor. We go out to get groceries. or we, we just go out for the most basic of reasons. And otherwise, we're right here. Even on a Sunday morning right now, you're participating in this worship service from a distance. And after a while, you began to feel like, do they remember me? We remember you. You may think, have they forgotten me? We have not forgotten you. Do they still want me? We still want you. We still love you. And we long for the day when we can all be together in the same room, don't we? And in the same space. But don't forget one another. Make sure we communicate to every generation, to every pocket and place of our community. We see you. We love you. We want you. There was another moment. It was in Mark chapter 10, verse 21. It was a similar moment. And a man was facing this incredible decision of whether to follow Jesus or to continue on his own path. And in that verse, it says, And Jesus, looking at him, loved him. Jesus looks at you. He just loves you. You may be so wounded, and you may be so full of shame or embarrassment, or regret because of your sin, because of a hundred different things, because of what somebody lied to you about, because of somebody told you something about yourself, and you began to believe it, and you grew up believing that, and you almost shun the look of Jesus. You almost turn away because you think that can't be for me. That, that's just too good to be true. No, when he looks at you, he loves you. In fact, your darkest place, the deepest crevices in your life is where he comes to, to show that compassion and to love you. He just loves you. And when he sees you, he's just filled with that love. 
Not because he has to. Because he wants to. Because he wants to. Because he wants you. From this moment, when, when this happened, when Jesus is sharing so many important things, and he's just saying these things, hoping that they'll be able to get this. It's a very short while before Jesus and his friends would gather, really, for the last time, to share a meal. And it just so happened that it was the Passover meal, and he used that meal to illustrate what was about to happen. And he gave us this beautiful picture and this extraordinary way for us to continue all these years later, centuries later, to participate in that meal. No longer a Passover meal because he made that obsolete. Now it's a meal that we come together to commemorate and to remember Jesus. After that meal where they were gathered together in that upper room, he would be arrested and then he would be crucified. But in that last supper, he gave us this way to participate in that moment. So that's what we're about to do. We're going to participate together in the Lord's Supper, in communion together. Because of COVID-19, we have had to be creative and we have had to pivot so many times. We have taken extra precautions to do this as safely as we can. So we're going to ask you to do this, to come and to to get the elements. Uh, And we have put these, we've got these packaged together. Uh, The wafer is right on top. And if you just peel this tab back, this top little thin tab, uh, there'll be the wafer. And then you can peel the next tab back. So we've made these. These are sterile and these are safe. You can go back to your seat and just with the Lord, just say, God, I participate in this meal. And I know you see me. And I know you want me and you want to love me. And this is the proof of it. You gave your body. You gave your blood. You don't have to be a member of Calvary to participate with us. If you're a follower of Jesus, if you're just a member of the body of Christ and the kingdom of God, you're invited uh, to join us right now. We're going to do this with a song, and you may come as you wish, whenever you're ready and whenever you want to. God bless you. Let's worship him.